Hi, you're listening to Stefan Levera Podcast, a show about Bitcoin and Austrian economics brought to you by Swan Bitcoin. Today, we're doing a, a year in review episode with my friend Katan from Ministry of Notes. So we talk a little bit about some of the software and hardware and Bitcoin projects over the year and what came out on top in his recent survey. We discuss a few practical tips as well as thoughts on self-sovereignty and adoption, Lightning, as well as Chaomian, eCash, Fedimint, and Cashew, and some ideas on what to expect for next year. This show is brought to you by Swan Bitcoin. Now, you already know Swan is the place where you can buy and learn about Bitcoin. Now, Swan is launching a new service. It's called Swan Premium. You receive exclusive research reports, educational content, you get discounts on Bitcoin products, and you will also receive privileged access to many Swan events. Swan Premium normally is going to cost $20 a month, but Swan is offering it for free right now for a year for those of you who joined the waitlist. That website is over at swan.com premium. That website is swan.com premium. Are you a builder in this space? Blockstream have a community coming out. It's called Build on L2. This is a community for Bitcoin builders, whether you are working on things like Core Lightning or the Liquid Network. This is an interactive community platform where you can share your what you're working on. You can help build together. You can get some mentorship, whether you are a product manager, a designer, or an engineer. There'll be events. There'll be a mentorship program that can help fast track you with your success, as well as having a community space to learn something new. So go and sign up. It's over at buildonl2.com. Now, for those of you considering what conferences you want to attend next year, especially if you are in or near Europe, think about PTC Prague. This is going to be on June 8th to 10th in Prague, Czech Republic. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be the biggest Bitcoin event in Europe. They're looking at around 10,000 people coming. So whether that is fresh people who are new to Bitcoin or long timers, Bitcoin whales, Bitcoin insiders, developers, miners, all being connected together in a unique networking opportunity. There will be more than 60 world-class speakers and 100 companies there. I'll be one of the hosts on the main stage. You can expect a relaxed summer atmosphere. Prague is a beautiful city. So if you haven't been, come and check it out. It's a great place to build in some tourism alongside your visit you can get your tickets over at btcprog.com and use the code lavera to get your ticket and now onto the show with katan katan welcome back to the show thank you stefan thanks for having me how are you yeah doing well i am uh you know just reflecting on the year gone by um and uh yeah ready to talk about what happened this year i mean so much obviously so much happened this year and in many ways it's very cyclical right like we've seen blow-ups and things happen over the years right mount gox in the 2013-14 sort of era. And then there was Quadriga CX in the 2018-19 era. And now 2022, we've seen we've seen FTX, Celsius, uh, Terra Luna, Voyager, you name it, right? So yeah, I guess at an overall level, what, what's been your thought about how this year panned out in the world of Bitcoin? Well, I think people are learning more um, as far as I can see. Uh, towards the latter end of the year, um, the learning curve for people in terms of just getting wrecked, I think is, it's showing. It, it's starting to really, uh, I guess, yeah, more people are, are tuning into the signal and trying to disregard the noise because there's a lot of noise there. And I think this year has probably, yeah, been that one, you know, catastrophic event that has, has altered people's perceptions and altered people's thinking. And I'm seeing that a lot. So that that's that's a positive, you know, people are wanting to learn more about Bitcoin. Yeah. And I think for many people, if we think about the world today, probably a lot of people now, they know about Bitcoin, but have they used it? 
Have they even purchased some? Have they? And of course, you can think of it like that funnel, right? Like there's so many people who might even, they think they hold some Bitcoin. Really, they have a paper IOU claim on an exchange somewhere or a custodian somewhere. But of course, it's maybe that's part of the, that's part of the journey for a lot of people. Um, but I think it's worthwhile pointing out there is that distinction between, let's say, you and I and like the you know Bitcoin Twitter and podcast and Nostra and people like that who are in this world, let's say, versus people who are more peripheral and maybe they think of it as just like, oh, just having it on my custodial exchange or, you know, they're, they're kind of thinking of it like that. But nevertheless, uh, you did a survey recently. So uh, let's go through some of the results and just ch- just chat a little bit about each category, what we saw, and maybe just some of the key innovations even as well, like while we go through it, right? So um, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds good. But before we get into it, Stefan, well, basically, yeah, look, I, I, this is just for fun. Of okay? This is more of just, it's not a scientific sort of objective poll. Uh, it's just a poll that I've ran out on Twitter. Mostly my followers are Bitcoin Twitter uh, people. Um, and so, you know, that's, those are the types of people that are going to be responding as well. Um, it may not have objectiveness. It may not, you know, it, it's a popularity contest at, at, at some point you know, great. So yeah, just keep that in mind as we go through this. It's not something, you know, it's not, you know, designed to give you, this is the best solution ever. And that's it full stop. Um, It's more around what are people thinking? um, What other suggestions from left field um, that, you know, some other people are, you know, uh, contributing to the space uh, that may not be as well known, which could be fantastic as well. So I just put out this, you know, tweet with, you know, categories of, uh, you know, parts of the Bitcoin ecosystem and then try to sort of pick out some of the very, very best projects that I'm seeing in the space and seeing what are we hitting the mark here? What are some comments? And, you know, let's go through those results. Yeah, yeah. And I think one other point, just it's worthwhile pointing out is, as you say, yeah, there's a little bit of an element of popularity contest and sometimes the crowd can be a bit fickle, right? Like what was a popular thing two years ago or three years ago might have been super popular and now it's like only not that, you know, it's kind of like it's okay and now there's some new hot thing, you know? And I, and I reckon I can give you an example of that in this very um, poll that I've, yeah. put, that I've sort of put out all this, you know. So I think... Yeah, let's come yeah. to it. Yeah, we'll go into it then. So best hardware wallet. What was the best hardware wallet? Okay, so clear signal. The, the, the choices were Trezor, Ledger, Cold Card, Passport. We had 852 votes on this one, and we had 58% voting for Cold Card. A clear signal there to the market that um, Bitcoin Twitter echo chamber uh, loves the Cold Card. So yeah, look, fantastic um, project um, by NBK, and it, it is one of the better hardware wallets. It's Bitcoin only, source viewable. I wish it was FOSS, but hey, you know. Um, and then the other thing that was a, also a clear signal, um, and this was more in the comments, is that um, seed signer. I got laid into for not even putting that on the on the as one of the options. Um, so yeah, seed signer seems to be a very very popular pick amongst the um, Bitcoin Twitter uh, followers. So. Yeah. You know, that's uh, that's something to be said. Um, and the other thing that another comment that I found was interesting was that one thing that I think the seed sign, like one thing that was came out of this poll um, was the fact that people didn't like the words hardware wallet. Um, they actually preferred signing device. So I don't know if that's kind of, you know, um, something that, 
will be used in the future. I think hardware wallet is probably now stuck. Um, but yeah, a lot of people like to, to, to use the more correct term, which is assigning a device. It is what it is. Yeah, and look, I mean, I've been trying, I, again, old habits die hard, right? But I've been trying to say hardware signing device, but then I'm stuck as well. When I talk to people, I'll say, oh, previously known as a hardware wallet, then it's you know, it's very wordy, right? And you can't quickly and easily say, oh, yeah, just get your hardware wallet or just get your, you know, I guess you say your hardware signing yep. device is the technical term. But, uh, you know, nevertheless, um, and I think it also gets to that point of, is multi-sig going to get popular or not? And I know there's big debates on Twitter about, Oh no, stop pushing. Some people say, no, stop trying to push people into multi-sig and other people are like, no, single sig and a passphrase is good enough. And, you know, I think that conversation is still uh, ongoing. Agreed, Stefan. Very much so agreed. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, maybe we'll come back to some of that other stuff later, but we've got a big list. So let's try and get through it. So we've got we do. best yeah. news source. What was best news source? All right, so this one surprised me. Um, we had 689 votes on this, uh, and the options were Stacker News, No BS Bitcoin, The Sovereign Bitcoiner, and Bitcoin Magazine. And Bitcoin Magazine took it out at 38.6%. So a clear signal there to say that um, a lot of people are reading Bitcoin Magazine for their trusted source of news, which is interesting. I, I really like Stacker News. Uh, I, I thought that that would be higher up than what it was. I thought that would have taken the leading spot, but you know, um, it, it kind of fell very, very much similar to no, no BS Bitcoin as well. Um, so yeah, I, those are my news sources. I, I, I frequent Stacker News all the time and no BS Bitcoin, their, their blasts come yeah. out and I get a lot of my news from them. What about you? Is that yeah. where you get your news from or well, are there any other places? I think it's fair to point out people like you and I who are like really more plugged into the the discussion, we see it happen live on Twitter, right? Like we sort of see the certain posts and things. In terms of where I would point a newcomer, yeah, I might point them to Bitcoin Magazine, you know, because Fair enough. for them... It's like, I mean, look, now, conflicts of interest be disclosed here, right? I do write for Bitcoin Magazine here and there. They do invite me for their conferences, obviously. But even honestly, like, honestly, even putting that aside, even if I, you know, I know people might not believe me, but even if I didn't write for Bitcoin Magazine, even if I didn't speak at Bitcoin, Bitcoin Magazine conferences and things, I genuinely think there's a, there's a purpose to that, right? Having, like, professional people who are researching journalists and, you know, researching and writing articles and things. There's, there's a point to that, like having it explained, right? Whereas you're not going to have, on Stacker.News, it's not necessarily going to explain every little thing about, oh, this is what Taproot is, or this is what, you know, I think from that point of view, maybe that's why people are saying, yeah, Bitcoin Magazine, because it's kind of a more professionalized news and education source. So uh, yeah, that's my guess. That's my best guess as to why. Fair enough. So let's move on to uh, best yep. coin join. Yeah, uh, three options here: Whirlpool, uh, Wasabi, and uh, Join Market. Clear signal here with um, Whirlpool, all up six hundred and sixty-four votes. Sixty-four percent went to Whirlpool, so there's some clear signal there that Bitcoin Twitter likes Whirlpool. So that's the Coin Join implementation of choice. Any thoughts around that, Stefan? Yeah, I mean, I think there's just been constant battles back and forth about all the constant privacy battles and. You know, people getting pulled into the crossfire, people like me and maybe even a bit yourself and people like Odell as well, where, you know, we might be out here trying to help educate people. And then you mention something and then all of a sudden the fans of the other side will go after you for not, you know, for not being as enthusiastic about their thing as they are. And um, 
Yeah, so I think... Yeah, Stefan, I, yeah. I think we should just leave it there and move on to the next one. What do you Yeah, reckon? before we get cancelled <laughs> for saying anything more. I don't know. Electrum server. So this is a big one. There's been some kind of shifts over the time over time for this. Yes, definitely. Um, so uh, the best Electrum server implementation, this only had 497 votes. Um, we had Electrum Rust server, we had Electrum X, and the newcomer, which is Fulcrum. And surprisingly, Electrum Rust server and Fulcrum tied at both 37.4%. And so that suggests to me that people are looking towards a, um, a Fulcrum server. That would help the guys who are probably coin joining with Whirlpool who are going further down their keychain. Yep. Um, and so that would be a bit more efficient than an Electrum Rust server. But again, an Electrum Rust server is a little bit more lightweight. If you're just a casual user, Electrum Rust server runs phenomenally well. But yeah, you know, Fulcrum is the newer contender here, mostly popularized by Craig Braw, probably because I think he was looking for, you know, something, uh, another backend to support. And I think that Fulcrum provides that. So if you're, you know, thinking about whirlpooling and continuously mixing your coins, then Fulcrum presents a phenomenal option for you there. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I noticed it is even part of the Ministry of Nodes Ubuntu Nodebox Guide. I, I have Fulcrum running on uh, the laptop just under this desk right now. And I think some of the debates there were, you know, some people sort of had this sense of, oh, that's like a quote unquote, that's a that's a shit cleaner indexer, right? Because it's being run by a, yeah. apparently being run by a B-cacher or something like this. But I mean, nevertheless, the software can be used for Bitcoin Core and people are using it for that. And so maybe what we're seeing there is just, distinctions in which node package people are using right like if they if they're doing their own yeah they could just do fulcrum on the ministry of nodes guide but if they're doing something like if they've got a you know raspberry blitz or noddle or one of these then it kind of just depends what they've got what they're what they're supporting on there so exactly. you know maybe it's kind of related to that but i think nevertheless i mean of course it's a great thing that people are running their electrum server like because again we're kind of deeper down the rabbit hole here so for, for someone to even be running any electrum server is a you know, <laughs> it's a big plus, isn't that's it? That's a big win, right? <laughs> and and the thing yeah. is, it's a very good tool for an Uncle Jim, right? So if you're a listener yep. right now and you are, you know, like us, we can't stop talking and thinking about Bitcoin and you want to help your family and friends, the Electrum server, having any, any of these is a great option because then you can tell your family and friends, hey, just connect to mine, right? Just open up, you know, Electrum or Sparrow or something similar or even Phoenix and these, and point it to my Electrum server. So that's a big tool. It's really actually very useful for an Uncle Jim. So worth pointing out. Definitely, definitely. All right. So next up, we got desktop software. Yes, the best desktop software wallet. Um, we had a turnout of 740 votes for this. The options were Sparrow Wallet, Spectre Desktop, Wasabi Wallet, and Electrum Wallet. And the clear, clear signal was Sparrow Wallet at 68.5%. Let's not beat around the bush here, Stefan. I do think that Sparrow Wallet is the best wallet that has you know been in the Bitcoin space for a since forever i really really like it uh craig raw has done a fantastic job on it and i'm really really happy to see these tools being um developed out but that doesn't you know i i think electrum wallet was the og wallet as well i don't think we can discount that that was the i mean sparrow wallet somewhat stands on the shoulders of the electrum wallet giant so i think you know uh having said that though like sparrow wallet is yeah i i think the community here agrees that you know sparrow wallet has been for this year at least it's been a phenomenal tool um, and it gets better and better they've got you know sparrow uh, server uh, where you can run it in a terminal now so 
you know, things are, yeah, they've got the Whirlpool implementation in there and, you know, you can connect up all your hardware wallets. You can connect up all the way through to your um, Fulcrum or Electrum server. And, you know, it's a phenomenal all-in-one package that just works across, you know, Linux, Mac, and Windows. And uh, I just wish that we had an uh, Android or iOS application of it, but maybe maybe one day I can convince Craig. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's, that's the other important point um, because... We are going to see, you know, and you know what? Maybe next year this is going to become a thing as well. Maybe you'll have a new option of like mobile coordinator, right? So, for example, like a nunchuck or a keeper, right? Because because that's the thing. A lot of people nowadays, they don't have a desktop or a laptop PC. They just literally only have a phone. And so that's going to like that's going to become that may be even a prediction for next year, right? Like the rise of this kind of mobile coordinator, like even like a blue wallet. I think you can do like blue wallet multi-sig and things like this. Yes. Although I haven't played around with it much myself. But, you know, maybe that's something as well. But, yeah, I mean, certainly of the um, desktop software, yeah, Sparrow is fantastic. So, yeah, it is it is hard to beat, right? Because of the, the range of features, the range of hardware wallet support and the ease of use, the reliability is, is really good. So, you know, shout out to Sparrow Wallet there. Now, best payment processor. Who's the best payment processor? <laughs> okay, so we had 575 votes for this one. We, the options were BTC Pay Server, TallyCoin, and uh, SatSale. Uh, clear, 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 clear signal here with 93% BTC Pay Server. Um, if you are trying to accept Bitcoin for your uh, for your goods and services, uh, I, I think BTC Pay Server presents um, a phenomenal option for you. Having said that, though, because there is really no competitor to BTC Pay Server, I'm looking for disruption. Maybe that's something that we can say, okay, well, BTC Pay Server, yes, it's the premier one, but you know, what if, is there something lighter? Is there something a little bit snappier? Is it something that's, you know, just maybe we have a BTC Pay Lite? Um, and I think, I think, you know, SatSale and Telecoin may be that middle ground. Maybe those things come into fruition. Maybe there's a new project that comes out or BTC Pay Server delivers something like a BTC Pay Lite version where you don't have to run a full-blown server. Um, but who knows, you know? Yeah. But I think that may end up running against their whole intent, you know, because the whole, remember, yes. remember the reason they started, right? It was because yes, of all the reliance on BitPay. So it's kind of hard. Now, you could say, what if they did some kind of light version that was like Neutrino only and only, you know, yeah. you know what I mean? It maybe it made certain trade-offs that like it still was, although I think, for example, Nicola Doria was quite critical of Neutrino. So, you know, like I think it's unlikely to, it's unlikely to happen like that. But I certainly, I take the point, right? Like I, you know, I use BTC Pay myself. I know you have it. It's again, so it's part I. of the guide. Yep. Basically like you can't, like if you are serious in this space, like you pretty much, it's one of the best tools you have to, you know, you pretty much have to use it unless you're using some other third-party payment provider, you know? And so the whole point of Bitcoin, of course, we're trying to we're trying to make it so people can be self-sovereign, of course. But I mean, that's it. There are other things out there. So for example, I can think of, say, a CoinOS or um, things like that. But of course, they're, they're, they're not the same. They're not the same level of self-sovereign. And in some cases, these That's are right. custodial. Like I think CoinOS is custodial. So it's certainly a tool out there. Um, so maybe, yeah, we'll just have to see what comes in the future there. So let's move on. We've got podcasting 2.0. So who's uh, king of the heap here? Yeah, so we had 420 votes on this one, and the options were Fountain, Breeze, and Podverse FM. And the clear winner here with 73% is Fountain. So I haven't used Fountain too much. In fact, I haven't used it at all. But I know, do you, I think you may have an account there. Yeah. So tell us about it. Is it any good? Are you making, you know, 
Are you making banks, Stefan? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I do have it enabled. I, to be honest, I don't, I don't talk about it as often. I do here and there kind of do the shout. It's kind of mention, oh, hey, here was some booster grams I got and things. Basically, I money I earn from that, I basically just donate that to Bitcoin open source projects. I don't actually kind of keep it to myself. It's it's not like a massive, massive amount of money. But for me, for me, it, it doesn't have the quite same, quite the same feature parity as what I you know listen on. So for example, like Pocket Cars has like the parity between its web interface and my phone so i can kind of seamlessly be out let's say i'm in the gym listening on my phone and then later i'm back on my desktop it's all synced up right so that for me i still need that just for me to be able to get through all the you know in terms of for me personally as a listener but in terms of speaking about the podcasting 2.0 phenomenon i think it's you know i think it's cool to see um i'm kind of just seeing how it goes like i think what matters is getting users who are not Bitcoiners per se. Like, will people, will someone use this kind of thing even if they're not a Bitcoiner per se? I think mm. that's really the that's really the the mark in the road, or that's the um, that's where the rubber meets the road for me. I, I'd need to see right. that before I kind of get more bullish on the whole idea personally. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. So yeah, now Lightning implementation. So this is yes. obviously going to be hotly debated. So uh, let's yes, see yes. Who, who came out uh, on top here. Okay, so best lightning implementation, um, we had 507 votes. Uh, the options were LND, Core Lightning, Eclair, and Rust Lightning. Um, and actually, uh, LND and Core Lightning are sort of neck and neck. So LND, 46%, and Core Lightning came in at 42%, which, to be honest, I was surprised about that. Um, having said that, though, I think if I did this poll about a year or year and a half ago, I think LND would have been the 85 to 90%. Yeah. And Core Lightning. Yeah. Right. So I just see that and go, wow, well done, Core Lightning, in being an alternative implementation to the Lightning Network. And maybe, maybe it could also be because LND. Uh, did have a couple of bugs uh, throughout Recently, the year yeah. um, that basically shut down the entire uh, implementation. So that was a pretty nasty bug there, but it got resolved very, very quickly. But yeah, it's not it's not ideal. And then, yeah, you know, the, yeah. So I think Core Lightning was the sort of alternative that kind of it's, sort of it's got risen a lot. Forward. Yeah. And perhaps, I mean, some context there, right? Like I think the Core Lightning team is a lot smaller. Or at least it was it a lot is. smaller. Like it was basically three full-time developers, right? And now, you know, they're getting more people on. And, you know, I think that may be part of it. And maybe it just at the time, maybe one or two years ago, L&D was quote-unquote easier for a lot of the other people to work together with. So they kind of, a lot of the node implementations were using that and other software was kind of more easily playing together with L&D. So maybe that's part of what happened there. But hey, it's a good thing to see more competition. We're seeing even um, the rise of LDK as an example, right? Like we're seeing LDK being used as part of BitKit. And I know um, when Blue Wallet, I believe now Blue Wallet as a default is custodial and using like LND Hub, which is like, it's, you know, a wrapper of LND. But I believe the next iteration they're moving towards is an ldk based version so so that's kind of you know or you're seeing you know so we are seeing a bit more hot competition let's say amongst the lightning implementation so you know let's see what see what happens there let's go to on-chain so what was the best on-chain bitcoin wallet 
Okay, so the best on-chain mobile wallet was Samurai Wallet, okay? Um, and the other options were Samurai Wallet, Blue Wallet, Green Wallet, and we had 725 votes. Samurai Wallet came in with 50% of those votes. Um, so I think there's a clear winner there in terms of on-chain mobile wallets. Um, having said that, though, I do think that Samurai Wallet, I'm surprised that it's only 50%. I would have thought it was something like in the 70 to 80%. And maybe it's because I think potentially Samurai Wallet has maybe lost a bit due to the Tor connectivity issues that users are facing. And I'm hearing that. A lot of users are just, when they open up their app, it, it obviously starts off on by default over Tor. And the Tor network, obviously, this year has not been very favorable. Uh, it's been attacked. And so maybe Samurai Wallet has lost a little bit there because Blue Wallet's not too far behind them uh, with 30, uh, 38%. So, you know, uh, maybe, yeah, let's see what happens with, um, you know, those factors there. But yeah. Blue Wallet is a, another very, very strong contender. Yeah, and I think it's one of those things where from hearing some of the Blue Wallet developers speak, for example, Igor at uh, Baltic Honey Badger earlier this year, he was commenting about how it's not just Bitcoin, Twitter, Echo Chamber using it, right? There are people, there are like random people in you know African countries or wherever around the world who just use Blue Wallet, right? Just because it is such a simple wallet. And so, you know, it's, it's funny because there are times where wallets can be really criticized in uh, the online discussion, but they are very widely used out in, in the real world, let's say. So, yep. you know, yep. that's, that's where the rubber meets the road, right? So it's, it's important to consider that. So next one is going to be contentious as well. What about the best mobile lightning wallets? <laughs> okay, so we had best mobile lightning wallet. We had 653 votes on this. The options were Moon Wallet, Breeze Wallet, Phoenix Wallet, and Wallet of Satoshi. Uh, clear winner there with 47 or 48% uh, with uh, going to Moon Wallet. And next was Phoenix and then Wallet of Satoshi and then finally Breeze. So yeah, that, that was the, you know, a, a lot of people have been sort of of promoting Moon Wallet as a very, very easy way to get Lightning funds straight into your wallet, you know, uh, instantly. And then, you know, it, it combines both on-chain and Lightning together. So I think that's probably, you know, one of the, you know, it, seamless processes um, that people want to experience and it's good for noobs. So I think that's probably why it's been promoted that much. Back to the show in a moment. When it comes to securing our Bitcoin, we need Bitcoin hardware. And my favorite is the stuff over at coinkite.com. Most notably, they have the cold card. So this is a very versatile hardware signing device. It looks like a little calculator. You can use it to generate your private keys and to sign messages, sign transactions. It's got all kinds of features. You can use it as part of single signature or as part of a multi-signature setup. And it's just really reliable. You can also notably spin up this device and initialize it without phoning home. So you can just plug it to the wall and initialize the device that way. So I find that really comforting also. So if you want to get your cold card, go to coincard.com, use code Levera for a discount. When it comes to Bitcoin block explorers, mempool.space is the one to go to. When you are about to send your Bitcoin transaction, mempool.space is a great site to check so that you can target your fee appropriately based on how quickly or slowly you are willing for your transaction to go through. So 
mempool.space offers a range of features. You can see the mempool, you can see the blockchain, you can see second layer networks like the Lightning Network, and you don't even have to trust a third party. If you want to, you can host it yourself. It's free and open source software. Now, if you are with an enterprise, mempool.space does have enterprise sponsors. So if you're looking for features like having a custom mempool instance with your company's branding or having increased API limits, it's a very popular block explorer. And so this is a great way for you to get that exposure. So if you're interested, go to mempool.space slash enterprise. When it comes to securing our coins for the long haul, especially your big stack, Unchained Capital can help you with multi-signature. This can give you that peace of mind knowing that you can remove single points of failure from your setup. And not just this, Unchained have solutions that can assist as part of the inheritance process. So their new concierge onboarding program also comes with the new inheritance protocol. So that includes some step-by-step -step checklists, letters for the executor or trustee, inheritance seed phrase card, and a tamper-proof bag. So this can give you that peace of mind knowing not only are you securing your coins, but that you are smoothing the process to pass that down to your heirs. So if you're interested in this program, go to unchained.com slash concierge. Use code Levera for a discount there. And now back to the show. Yeah. And, and of course, I know there'll be some listeners who are saying, no, it's not a lightning wallet. It's actually more like a Bitcoin on-chain yes, wallet yes, yes, that yes. can pay out a lightning submarine swap. So just to explain what's happening, right? In practice, if you use Moon Wallet and then you are making a lightning payment, really what's going on in the background is it's almost like you are paying on-chain to Moon and then Moon is actually paying your lightning invoice for you. So because of that, and because of some of the RBF controversy as well, there are some users who run into issues when they are trying to do a bigger lightning payment on Moon because they're paying out, let's say, $500 in lightning or using a lightning payment. And so Moon is saying, well, you're going to have to wait before I make that payment because I need it to confirm into me before I send out the $500 light. And then people are in an awkward spot if they're like in an in-person exchange. I thought it was lightning, right? So I can understand that confusion. But at the same time, I like Moon and, you know, I, I, I promote it. I, I think the way I would say it is if somebody's like looking for a first wallet, maybe Moon is the right choice. But if they're looking to actually do day-to-day -day lightning, then I tend to point them more towards Phoenix or Breeze personally. That's, that's where I'm at because... Phoenix and Breeze are what we might call natively lightning and non-custodial. So they do make other trade-offs around that, of course. There's no kind of holy grail here, but it, I think, is more suitable for the native if you're like actually spending and receiving on lightning and you're actually doing less on-chain transactions that way. But if you're just like a total newbie who just needs to take their coins off the exchange, Moon is a fair and totally fine choice. That's how I see it. Yep. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yep. Now, mobile lightning controller. So I guess we distinguish a little bit here because we're t what we're talking about here is like an app that helps you remote control your lightning node. So who is the winner here? That's right. So best lightning node remote controller. The options were Zeus Wallet, Zap Wallet, and Spark. We also had 439 votes there with the clear winner at pretty much 80% uh, with Zeus. So Zeus is great. It supports all um, node implementations, pretty much. It's got C Lightning support. It's got, oh, sorry, Core Lightning support. Um, it's got LND. And I think it does even Eclair potentially. Yeah, I think they do. Yeah. So, you know, th this wallet, you know, handles pretty much any node that you throw at it. And it's it's got a great graphical user interface. New changes are constantly being updated. New features are being updated. Yeah, I, I really like it. And I, I, I tend to use it all the time. Um, as my self-sovereign lightning network payment gateway. <laughs> so yeah, I'm really yeah. looking forward to it. Um, I think it's also got NFC con uh, connectivity. So you can actually NFC tap 
you know, for payments. Uh, but I think it all can or will be able to receive as well. Um, so if someone puts down a Bolt card, for instance, you might be able to receive from there as well. Maybe. I'm not sure. But Yeah, I think it's only one way. So I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, it's one of the two. I, I don't think you can tap to pay with Zeus yet. But I think you can... So I think you can tap to receive. I think it's, yeah, uh, someone correct me. Or for, the other way around. Yeah, it's yes. one of the two ways. It's not both right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm a Zeus user and supporter myself. I, you know, I donated on the project I, and I promote it often. I even use it in my in-person demonstration videos often just to demonstrate uh, lightning. Is that, was that the one with the, the, yeah, the beer the incident? Foam, yeah, that's also the foam gate. <laughs> actually, no, sorry, no. Foam gate for me was actually with a moon wallet. But um, yeah, right. Okay. But I did. I did another when I was in El Salvador. I did another um, Foamgate video just for fun, and that one I think was with Zeus. So you know. Okay. All right. Yeah. Cool. Got to bring it back. And okay, so now desktop lightning remote controller. Yes. Um. So on your desktop, uh, the options were lightning terminal, ride the lightning, thunder hub, and LN bits. We had four hundred and sixty votes. Clear signal, ride the lightning. With 47% there, they did a fantastic UI with, you know, the bells and whistles. Again, supports uh, a lot of the node implementations or the two major ones at least. Um, and yeah, it's a nice graphical interface, really easy to see things and, you know, make payments, open channels, all those sorts of things in a nice graphical way. Really, really like Ride the Lightning. But I also like Thunderhub as well. Thunderhub is, you know, a- another alternative. It has a nice uh, look and feel to it as well. And it integrates with other projects as well, like Amboss Space and, you know, LN Auth and LN Markets and all those sorts of things as well. So uh, both are pretty cool, but Ride the Lightning, yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. And I mean, I, I use RTL myself with uh, my BTC Pay also. So yeah, can't really complain there. What about uh, Bitcoin Explorers or Blockchain Explorers? Yeah, okay. So Bitcoin Explorer, we had, this is the biggest turnout of the poll with 874 votes on here. And so the options were mempool.space, amboss, OXT, and uh, blockstream.info, 82% with mempool.space. I mean, I can't argue there. Mempool.space is a really, really nice Bitcoin um, explorer. Um, You know, you get to see everything. And they've now just recently added Lightning support. Mate, hats off to that team. They've done exceptionally well there. Fantastic. Yeah, and, you know, I'm a user of Mempool.space myself. And, I mean, the disclosure, they are also a sponsor of my show. But, uh, you know, I am a fan. And, yeah, okay, so... Let's go on to Bitcoin implementation. So I think this one is kind of a bit, uh, let's say, tongue-in-cheek in a way, but okay, what was the best in Bitcoin implementation? <laughs> All right, so we had 625 votes here. The options were Bitcoin Core, Knots, BTCD, and Libitcoin. And the clear winner here with 91% was Bitcoin Core, tongue-in-cheek again. Yeah, as you said, it was just you know something that I thought was interesting, um, and I'd like to see who, who was using the alternative implementations. But it seems here, clear signal. Bitcoin Core is the way to go. I mean, as far as I'm aware, most projects use Bitcoin Core, except for certain things. So from the top of my head, I can think of Wasabi Wallet. I believe they have Knots, which is the Luke Dasho version. And then LND has certain aspects where it's calling out using BTCD, right? So that's kind of... Otherwise, basically everyone, every man and his dog is using Bitcoin Core. At least that's how it is currently. And, you know, there are debates in the community about whether there should be multiple implementations or it should just be like, no, everyone just use the one because it's too hard to make um, cross compatibility or cross uh, implementation compatibility. And it's very important that the networks stay in sync. So 
you know yep. that's why it seems like pretty much other implementations seem almost like a rounding error at least relative to bitcoin core at least today speaking today in terms of bitcoin users today okay so you've got the best no kyc platform yeah so we had 678 votes on this the options were bisque hodl hodl robosats and peach and clear winner here was with 53 percent was bisque um so a lot of the no kyc action um and the trades and the, the liquidity is all pretty much going to bisque now the surprising thing was um the it uh, uh, was robosats um that came in at second and so a lot of people are using it and it's really really nice and polished um so i think you know i'd encourage people to check that one out for uh you you know, acquiring non-KYC Bitcoin. Um, and then a new contender on the street was just Peach. Um, yep. So I think that's US-based only, but it looks like it's got a nice mobile, you know, interface to it. I, yeah. I don't think it's US. I think it is around the world, Peach. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sweet, yeah. sweet. I think they are a Swiss company, but uh, they're, they're able to do it non-KYC. So yeah, because but I know, for example, um, HODL HODL is not available in the US, right? Um, right. This okay. is, and so maybe that's also driving some of the result there. That like you know, Bitcoin Twitter is probably more US biased. US so. based. Yep. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. That's my guess anyway. So that's no KYC. Okay. Now node in a package. This could also get contentious. So uh, who who won here? Very very <laughs> contentious here. So the best node in a package. We had seven hundred and eighteen votes on the poll, uh, but we actually had five options, and you can't do five options in uh, on Twitter. And so I had to drop one. And so obviously I got shat on by the person that I dropped understandably but you know we had Raspberry Blitz, Minode, Umbrel, Start9 and Ronin Dojo and the clear winner here was Umbrel with 40.9% and I think that probably comes down to ease of use beautiful beautiful uh user interface and you know a, an all-in-one solution to pretty much everything that you need um and so yeah I I I, I wasn't expecting any different of a result. Having said that, though, Raspberry Blitz, uh, Start9, gaining some uh, more traction there. Um, and I think Raspberry Blitz has been around for a very, very long time. Um, and my, uh, Minode and Ronin Dojo are probably on equal footing there as well. So both of these are very, you know, it, it's all across the board here. Um, I don't think there's, you know, one clear, clear, clear winner like we have with, you know, um, some of the other projects. Yeah. But People are trying new uh, implementations of their node packages, and that's great to see. Yeah, and there's been a lot, a lot of improvement and continual improvement. I saw just recently the Umbral guys came out with the option, and kind of related to what you're saying, they came out with the option to not use Tor and just go ClearNet because, again, the difficulties with that. And they even offered the ability to, do, to use I2P, right? So it's kind of like yeah. it's interesting that they are doing that. Now, I understand some people criticize them for not being FOSS, and people, I know uh, there was the Run Citadel project that was basically started as kind of like yes. an open source or a FOSS fork of Umbrel. Um, yep. And there is also Noddle as well. So Noddle's out there as well. That's right. So, you know, but they've all improved as well. Like I know Raspberry Blitz came out with a web interface and like Ronin Dojo yes. did a big update on their UI. So they're all constantly improving. So that's cool to see. And get this, Stefan, Minode and Start9 have come out with an option uh, where you can buy 
a non-Raspberry Pi option. So Start9 obviously came out with their uh, really, really nicely specced computer. And MyNode also came out with a really nice um, spec computer as well. Um, so that's great to see that computers with more grunts are doing the heavy lifting for you know these node packages. Fantastic to see. Yeah, especially if it comes to Lightning and you're trying to be a routing node on a Raspberry Pi, it just it just yeah. becomes really, you know, that's why you see like some of the you know people doing like professional nodes, they're using a VPS for the professional level infrastructure and reliability and so on. Yep. Yeah, and also because they don't want to dox their home IP, etc. Exactly. Okay, so I guess those are kind of the key aspects around um, the survey itself. But I mean, just kind of speaking more broadly about the space. So as we mentioned, there's this sort of call it Bitcoin Twitter echo chamber factor, right? How how important is that? And, you know, like, because here's two angles, right? One angle is, oh, Bitcoin Twitter doesn't matter. It's just a bunch of irre- irrelevant echo chamber people. But on the other hand, there are times that an important technology or project can become surfaced that way. And things that that community is talking about now become very popular in a few years time. So maybe there's like, there's kind of an interesting angle where you can you could make a case either way right i'm curious any reflections from you yeah look i think um some of the stuff that goes on in the echo chamber is yeah it it, it can be good in that you know we bring a lot of these projects to light um i know uh, my note, for instance, I found that very, very, very early on uh, when it just had basically Bitcoin Core and Lightning in there. And now it's got all these other services that are implemented in there. You know, I did a whole series of guides on it as well. Um, and so people take to that and they look at it and they try it themselves and it becomes, you know, a, a popular piece of software. Um, I think that's sort of what's happened with Sparrow Wallet as well. The community just really stuck onto that one as quickly as possible and ran with it. I think that's what, you know, brings to service some of the best ideas is, you know, having these projects available as, you know, pages on Twitter that you can follow and you can get their latest uh, updates and those sorts of things. And then obviously Bitcoiners know other Bitcoiners and they can refer to each other. They obviously talk and say, hey, look, I uh, you know, I, I saw this uh, piece of software. What do you reckon? Give it a spin. You know, I, I get asked to review um, sort of software all the time. So it's really good to see uh, that people are experimenting with um, software. Just, just, be careful um, when you are doing that, though. You know, you don't want to download something nefarious. So, you know, some of the key principles would be free and open source license, you know, well vetted, something like that's been around for a while. So, yeah, that's kind of, you know, what you want to do. But as to whether or not the results would have changed, I think so, yeah. Like if, it, if this was done on, say, Reddit, I think maybe that whole echo chamber might have different opinions. That's probably a good thing. Yeah, right. And I think it's also important to point out that you know, there's that difference in, in terms of what the overall Bitcoin users are, right? Because I'm sure if we zoomed out and looked at the overall Bitcoin users, who are some of the, it might be like more Electrum wallet users, maybe blockchain.info, or maybe even Exodus, right? Like it's a shitcoin wallet, but there's a lot of Bitcoin, yes. Bitcoin being spent using these shitcoin wallets. Yes. And so it's important to just, so people are listening, they understand there's that distinction between what's popular on Bitcoin Twitter versus what's used in the network and kind of the broader world and how does the world view bitcoin compared to how do let's say our circles view bitcoin you know agree agree yeah so this year we also saw some development around fedimint and for example cashew which is so for listeners who are confused so fedimint is like the federated mint idea so it's like this idea that you can have multiple and then cashew is a single 
Mint, and these are Xiaomi and eCash. So you can have users who are a user of that platform, and they and the point is that they have a lot more privacy. So the, even the operators of the platform don't necessarily know the balances of what those users are doing, and the idea is it's connected with Lightning. So, um, but what are the trade-offs, Stefan? No, no, yeah. but what, what, yeah. what would be the trade-offs there? Would it be a bit custodial, would it? Yeah, yeah, no, it is custodial. That's that's absolutely the main, that's the main yeah. risk. And of course, that's probably the main thing, that the rug the rug risk is um, certainly the main factor there. So I'm seeing it like yeah. there's a rug risk, certainly, and there's a privacy benefit, but it also depends on how you're framing it, right? Because I think some people are trying to frame this like, oh, this is the alternative to using an exchange that, okay, it might be more private and maybe there's some way that people can be onboarded this way or maybe there could be some services, I guess, to Steelman, right? To Steelman, their case, it might be something like currently custodial services might be able to upgrade their privacy in some ways like this. As an example, Stacker.News, right now it's custodial, right? Like, so right now when you have an account there, you can sign in with Lightning, of course, but then you deposit, you know, 5,000 sats and you can tip, you know, articles and so on, and people tip you, so you can, but it's custodial right now. So it is already yes. custodial. Could that, I guess the argument is, could that be, could something like that be built using this kind of tech that's more private? I don't know. What do you think? Well, look, f- f- for me, as someone who is pretty much, I, I am 100% all, all about self-custody. For me, look, if I'm going to use something like this, it will be maximum of uh, you know what's in my actual wallet. I don't keep more than fifty to one hundred bucks on there. Okay, so that, yeah. that I am more around you know if I did want these features, I'd only be putting at this point in time a hundred bucks max on there. Yeah, uh, because I know that the rug risk is potentially real. Yeah. Right, so I wouldn't be putting life savings on there. I wouldn't be putting you know large sums of money in there. I you know these sorts of things. Uh, I probably wouldn't be doing, but I can see that you know that there may be some use case for private transactions, and of course, um, you know if you accept those trade-offs, sure, okay. But for some people, that might just not be a starter. They might not want to give away their you know their, their keys to somebody else, and that might just not be a non-starter. And I, th- I see both ways there. But for me, again, I think it's probably just I'd I'd probably you know I'd check it out but I wouldn't be checking out more than $100 in there, right? Um, so that's kind of where I stand with it. So that's for you personally. I'm curious how you would see it then for, let's say, a total new user. Like if, if somebody could say, we could onboard a new person using some kind of Fetty Mint or Cashew sort of style Mint. And they have no Bitcoin whatsoever. Like they don't have a stack. They They've just not got done started. anything. Okay, they just got started. So the idea is maybe this is how they're getting their first Bitcoin. And then now, then later they can upgrade later, that kind of thing. Okay, sure. But I mean, Stefan, I, I don't know. Look, if, if you look, if you, we have been beating the drum on getting your coins off the exchange. Yeah. People do not upgrade. Like we know this. We know this, Stefan. People do not upgrade their setups until they get rugged. That's when it's too late, right? So people will probably start off with 50 bucks, 100 bucks then that magically turns into a thousand that might then magically turn into five grand ten grand and then rug occurs we and they've all been meaning to go oh yeah yeah you know i'll do it i'll do it i'll do it and they just don't i don't know man i'm not i'm not quite convinced on that argument that will yeah. it's easier to switch because we've seen we, like we've been beating the drum with self-custody no one freaking did it ftx went down hey lesson learned 
Yeah, so I, I mean, I certainly, I take your point there. Certainly, certain aspects of that, I, I take that, right? But I, I'm kind of like, I'm in between, right? So, for example, I did a recent episode with um, the guy behind Bitcoin Akasi. And so he mentioned that he's onboarding some of them with, with custodial. However, the shop owners do have hardware wallets or hardware signing devices. And for their main stack, they, they, do, they are transitioning some of that out. So, you know, I think it kind of depends who, who's, who's doing the onboarding. But I certainly, I certainly think right now, blocks are really empty or not empty, but they're pretty, you know, you can get, you know, so for now, is it like a premature optimization, right? Like, are we trying to get people to this thing when like, hey, you can get them on chain right now. You can get them exactly. right now. Exactly. So for me personally, I'll always be encourage, encouraging them like non-custodial for onboarding, but maybe in the future, five or 10 years down the line, I don't know, maybe it's part of a, an answer for people who cannot afford to go self-custodial. I'm not really, yeah, I guess I, I can't really pass a judgment on that yet, but I would say for now, today, maybe it's premature optimization. Maybe you just get them non-custodial to start with. And, and that's what I would I would say as well. That That's my, that, like, as of today, once that per byte is going through all the time, you know, you can onboard users and we should be encouraging as many Bitcoiners to go self-sovereign, hold your own keys, run your own node. I think that has been, it would have to be the theme for 2022, surely. Hold your own keys, run your own Bitcoin node. And so I, I'm hoping that that will continue for a few more years to find. Maybe, maybe in, when I'm wrong in, you know, 2060 or something, um, that, you know, one, once that per byte transactions may not go through, <laughs> then maybe we can start to think about alternatives. And maybe that alternative is lightning. But yeah, okay, fine, fair enough. But then, like, let's 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 look at the situation what we have right now, and then go from that. And I think the answer is self custody all the way. Yeah, um, and certainly, I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you. I think um, it's more just assessing the situation for people or trying to correctly steel man the case that the Fetty Mint or Cashew people might might make. Right now, um, speaking of Lightning, as we were just mentioning. There, you got any thoughts there? Like, I, I'm curious, uh, your view on payment reliability, adoption, usefulness of Lightning, you know, over this year. Have, have you seen improvements there? Yes, Stefan, I have seen improvements. I definitely have. I went to the Bitcoin Bush Bash back in November. I was expecting, uh, so I was going to sell, I was selling some books um, just over the Lightning Network. Payments ranged between $50 to $100 around that you know, multiple times and every single one went through first time. I did about maybe your, I want to say seven to eight transactions there. Every single one went through first go. And custodial, non-custodial, like obviously non-custodial your side, but... So for my side, obviously non-custodial, but it was a range. It was a mix. Some had Zeus, some had um, Moon, some had some others. Uh, Wallet of Satoshi was in there. Uh, so... Yes, it was a range, and I think that it was if it, it worked, it worked every single time, and I was just blown away because I was expecting to go. Oh, this here we go again, you know. So yeah, no reliability has significantly improved in my opinion, or just based on my experience. Uh, obviously, everybody else has a different experience, but for me right now, as of November twenty twenty two. I was impressed. December, yeah, 2022. Oh, you mean, but that was when you did it, yeah. Yeah, that was when I did it in November and yeah. it was fine. Yeah. It was great. So yeah, Lightning, you know, I, I'm really getting more, like I was, I was pretty bearish on it at, at, at a time when just payment failures and, you know, error messages and red mm. screens and, oh, mate, it was the pits. But now I'm starting to see some seriously 
you know, green ticks, which is phenomenal. Yeah. And that's, that's really cool to see. I think more and more people using it is a good thing for the network. I understand. It, and this is probably another area where there were some people criticizing as well. They were saying, oh, look at these people just sending lightning to lightning from like one fiat institution to another. Right. So, for example, people criticizing, uh, say, Strike or right, Coin yeah. Corner or things like this because they were doing payments into Africa or, let's say, uh, Coin Corner from Europe and UK into f- the Philippines. But they were using the Lightning Network to help transact fiat. So I can understand where some people would say, oh, that's controversial. Why are you trying to promote fiat payments? But at the same time, more people using Lightning is arguably a good thing. It's helping raise the awareness of Bitcoin and Lightning in a way and makes the, the network bigger and more viable in that sense so i'm seeing a benefit there i see it as overall that's a positive right but what do you think yeah it'd have to be right more people on lightning network more people transacting um you know a lot of people will have these criticisms of privacy as well in the lightning network and it's like hold on what are we comparing against right if you you had the banks and all of your transactions in there versus a lightning network like it's it's chalk and cheese in terms of just privacy there, yeah. right? So I think more people transacting in a peer-to-peer fashion, ideally non-custodially, ideally without censorship, I, I think it's a beautiful thing. And I think the Lightning Network enables that. Yeah. And I think it's important to compare there, right? Because I might, I think I tweeted something out, or I, I think I was quoting an article saying Lightning payments are more private or whatever. And I think one of the guys from NIM, Harry, came back saying, oh, look, see, Lightning's not private, da, da, da. But I was saying, look, would you agree it's more private than a credit card? And then he was, and then he was like saying, oh, look, but look at this research showing that a global passive adversary or like a top 1% Lightning node could de-anonymize 50% of the payments on the Lightning network or something. It's like, do you understand that right now these people are using a credit card where every per- like everyone in the bank and everyone in the credit card company can see that payment and they can sell that data Whereas right now today, if you use a non-custodial or a self-custodial Lightning wallet or node, it's massively better. It's a massive improvement. So I think sometimes like the privacy nitpickers... Yeah, yeah. we need to be a little bit more, you know, just understanding of the the, the nitpicking, as you you were alluding to, is just more be, okay, look, let's take a step back. What are we competing against? We're trying to compete against credit cards and all those sorts of like financial institutions and... The privacy that like the the invasiveness of theirs versus what we currently can get on the Lightning Network, it's chalk and cheese, in my opinion. And I think maybe that his argument was like, oh, people are being sold like a false sense of security or a false sense of privacy, which, okay, fine. Yeah, you're not hiding from the NSA using the Lightning Network. You're not Edward Snowden on the Lightning Network. You're not James Bond. But are you better than the current system with credit cards? Yeah, probably. I think it is. I think it's very fair to say that, um, especially in a self-custodial lightning context. So, you know, I, I think it's fair to point that out. So I think then probably the other question I have for you is, do you believe we will see more of a lightning first approach, right? Like for low value or in-person commerce, will we see lightning first next year? Uh, next year? Ooh, I don't know. If one sat per bike keeps well, going through, I'll still buy my coffee for on-chain. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, okay, look, so it, it really, so, so when I go onto the Lightning Network, it's because I think that the on-chain is just too clogged at the moment. That's why I have my Lightning Network set up, right? So whether it will be a first option, uh, maybe, maybe, in person, maybe. But for me, 
commerce over the internet when time is not that critical, like I don't need a pay, pay, pay and tap and pay experience, then I think yeah. on-chain presents a fantastic option there. Yeah, fair enough. And, and so, yeah, will we see that continue? I, I, I think so. But will we see more, more and more people get onto the Lightning Network? Yeah, I, I think we'll do both. Yeah, and I, certainly I agree with you. In, a, in the cases where the timing is not of the essence, then yeah, on-chain, it still works, right? It's fine. I, what I'm saying is more like in the cases where the time does matter more. Like a quick example, Giacomo, right, was was telling a story about how in El Salvador, he was at the grocery store trying to pay with Bitcoin and their payment system, the Chivo system at that time, defaulted to Bitcoin on-chain. And so then it was like, oh, okay, fine, I'll pay it on-chain. And then he was like waiting for like 30 minutes or something. And then the, the line was backing up behind him because for the checkout staff couldn't move the transaction forward until the thing confirmed. So it was just like not practical. Now, I think they have updated some of this now. So, you know, now you can more, at least I think you have to, there's a bit of an education conversation you have to have to sort of say, hey, choose the lightning option so I can pay you straight away. But yep. for an in-person context, it's it's just night and day, right? Um, so I could see that. I could see this kind of lightning first approach for in-person commerce, but you know, we'll, we'll see what happens next year, right? I, I'm hoping for it. I'm hoping for it, yeah. I, I think there should be a, a lightning of approach sort of first approach um when it comes to these in 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 person it just makes the experience much better just like yeah we have to compete with credit cards right remember stefan we have to compete with them yeah so they offer tap and go we also need tap and go yeah i think you're right i think we do need to we need to bring the best of what bitcoin has to offer right and i think if we're kind of stuck with like on-chain for in-person commerce even for small low-value commerce it's it's not gonna it's it's not gonna gonna fit the bill it's not gonna work no Although, I mean, one other criticism I hear, and maybe not a criticism, but just an idea, is just this idea that some people don't spend Bitcoin until that's all they have left to spend. And so that's why they're happy to just keep using fiat. Of course, I'm happy to earn and spend and try to try to live. I'm not perfect, but I try to live Bitcoin native where possible. I'm curious if you see much of that changing next year or you think it's going to be, uh, it's going to take time there. I think it's going to take time, Stefan. People are just dumping their fiat bags. So... I, and and there's an unlimited amount of fiat going around, so <laughs> I think it's going to take some time until this whole thing completely uh, decays. Yep. Yeah, I think that's probably going to be a, a further while out before you know yeah. people start to use their Bitcoin as if it was the only thing that was left. Yeah, totally fair. So, any other thoughts or any other you know predictions or trends that you're keeping an eye on for next year? Yeah, look, I think um, I think honestly, a maxi is being born pretty much, you know, on the daily. Um, ever since I think the FTX collapse and you know Terra Luna, Luna and all that sort of stuff just went down, a lot of people are just starting to go, okay, well, you know, I, I want to focus on Bitcoin. I don't want to deal with all of these other, you know. Uh, events and drama I just want to focus on okay what what is the problem that I have and what is the problem what can potentially solve that and I think when people are talking about transacting permissionlessly when people are thinking about you know even saving you know I I think Bitcoin presents somewhat of a, a an option definitely and so people want to should learn how to self custody it and run their own Bitcoin nodes and I am bullish on more people doing that. I really am. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I think that's a great spot to finish up. Yeah, any final comments and where can people find you online? Just hold your own keys, run your own node, you know, do privacy 
best practices. Um, people can find me at underscore K3TAN on Twitter and at Ministry of Nodes, which is um, the company that I run. Basically, we teach you how to hold your own keys, run your own node, those sorts of things. Um, so come book in a session. We'd love to chat. Fantastic. Thank you. I hope you found that show informative in terms of updates on what's going on in the space. Of course, this will be the final episode for 2022. So I wish you all a happy new year and I look forward to seeing you, whether that's out at the conferences next year or just taking part in the online discussion. So thanks again to sponsors of the show. Thanks to everyone who supports me and shares the show with their family and friends. And thank you for being a listener. I'll see you in the Citadels.